This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunshine today, high near 77. Mostly clear tonight, low around 56. Partly sunny Tuesday, then gradually becoming sunny with a high near 82. Several fire departments were called to battle a blaze that raced through a two-family house in the Union District of Endicott on Friday. The fire at 305 Badger Avenue was reported around 6.15 a.m. Endicott Fire Chief Joseph Griswold said there was heavy fire coming from the two-story building when the first firefighters arrived. The blaze spread to a garage behind the house. Griswold said no injuries were reported. The cause of the fire is under investigation. The house was damaged by a blaze last May. Griswold said that fire was ignited by intense sticks that had been placed in a hole in a wall. The building was supposed to be vacant since that fire, although there had been reports that people had been inside the structure in recent days. The utilities to the building had been turned off. The fire chief said the fire-damaged building will have to be torn down. The owner of the property, who lives in Vesto, indicated he already had taken steps to have the structure demolished. New York State County sheriffs and upstate communities are voicing concerns about the state's two-week-old ammunition background check system, saying they disagree with state political leaders that it will reduce gun violence in the state. More members of the law enforcement last Thursday spoke out about the New York State police background check system as issues persist and U.S. Supreme Court justices will consider taking up a challenge to the state's Concealed Carry Improvement Act and background checks on ammo purchases. Albany County Sheriff Greg Apple, a Democrat, says the required background checks to purchase weapons or ammunition are more of a nuisance than a change that will keep New Yorkers safe. More than 14,000 transactions for people to buy firearms and ammunition have been approved since the new law took effect on September 13th, including more than 6,100 transactions approved for firearm purchases and 8,300 approved transactions for ammunition. State police refused to release the number of applications that have been denied. New York State Police will also not discuss the grounds nor specific reasons why that they used to deny an attempted firearm or ammunition purchase or respond to questions about why retired law enforcement have been rejected. Police provide the applicant a reason for denial upon appeal. Ralph Bullock of Dryden was sentenced yesterday to serve 97 months in federal prison for possession of child pornography, according to the United States Attorney. An acting special agent in charge of the Albany Field Office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. As part of his prior guilty plea, Bullock admitted that on January 2018 and April of 2021, he possessed images of child pornography on three separate devices, including images of prepubescent minors. In reaching its sentence, the court found that the defendant had committed a prior pattern of activity involving the sexual abuse or exploitation of two minor children who were four and six years old at the time of the conduct. Bullock was sentenced to 20 years of supervised release following his term of incarceration and ordered him to pay restitution of 3000 each to two of the children whose images he possessed. Upon release from imprisonment, he must also register as a sex offender. 
A rapidly expanding national restaurant chain is preparing to open its first location in the Binghamton area. Site preparation is underway for a Cordoba Mexican Eats restaurant on the Vestal Parkway. Vestal Town Supervisor John Schaefer says he expects the new business may be open by the end of the year, although he's not heard a specific target date for the start of operations. The restaurant building will be located at 2512 Vestal Parkway East. New York City is drying out after being soaked by one of its wettest days in decades. City dwellers are now trying to dry out basements while traffic resumed at highways, subways and airports that were temporarily shuttered by Friday's severe rainfall. The heavy rainfall knocked out several subway and computer 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 rail lines, stranded drivers on highways, flooded basements and shuttered a terminal at LaGuardia Airport for hours. While the fierce storm has moved on, some of its damage lingered into the weekend. A power outage in a Brooklyn neighborhood caused by the storm prompted city officials on Saturday to evacuate staff and about 120 patients from a city hospital. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning, I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now, Monday, October 2nd, 2023. 607-772-1290 is the number for those who wish to participate. If you have thoughts about what happened over the weekend, thoughts about what's happening right now, as well as thoughts of what will happen during this important week, you may call. I'd like to hear from you listening live to News Radio WNBF. the dances they used to have at the Water Street parking garage. Remember the dance performances decades ago? Yeah, it was kind of like a dance park. It was kind of like that. And then they stopped. And then dancing was no longer permitted in Broome County parking garages. Oh, well. Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future as part of the Deco District. We want art. Let's have dancing in the parking garages the way they used to do it back when dancing was permitted in the car parks. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's Robin Fort Crane. How are you? Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, sir. I just wanted your opinion and your re- your listeners' opinion. What do you guys think of the latest insurrectionist there, Jamal Bowman? I was shocked. I was disappointed. And, you know, I I have a few questions for him. But I, I have to say, based on the information as it stands now, 
I think serious action must be taken. That that sort of delay tactic cannot be condoned. It is unacceptable. Bob, it's the same. It's the same law that they charged the January sixth defendants under. So I think he should get twenty two years, just like that Terrio guy. He's no, I, I, there, there's where you and I disagree. We we well, do agree he did something, something very very wrong. And I, he I interrupted. I wish here's here's my thing, Rob. I I wish that he he uh, at least seemed more apologetic. The statement he released is beyond belief. That's Bob. Uh, that's ridiculous. That that's ridiculous. I don't care what he says. He was a high school principal. This guy claims not to know how a fire alarm works, and he took the two signs down off the door before he pulled the alarm. Well, that's my point. You and I agree on that. As far okay. as as well, far as punishment, this what he did on Saturday, although disturbing and shocking, in no way comes close to what the the antics of some of the uh, insurrectionists did in January 2021. Denny Terrio was not even at January 6th. He got 22 years. But he was part of. He was one of the ringleaders. Correct. So, so they say. The, yeah, so they say, and so he went through the court system. He had the finest representation, and ultimately he is convicted. And ultimately, the judge gave him what I thought was a very fair sentence. Jamal Bowman interrupted a vote in Congress. Bob, he interrupted a vote. It's the same thing the January six people did. So, if if they can get eighteen to twenty two years. Then Bowman interrupted a vote. He should get 18 to 22 years. That's I think he should get 18 to 22 minutes. Well, you're, you're, you're nuts because you're just a lefty lunatic, a Democrat. But I don't understand why you would say something like that, Bob. That's just crazy. 18 to 22 minutes? This man interrupted a vote. Okay, 18 to 22 seconds. That's my final offer. He should not have done it. If he ever does something like that again, then, of course, the, the punishment will have to be more appropriate. But we need something, at least initially, to get his attention. So I'm saying 18 to 22 milliseconds ought to be sufficient to get his attention and and help him understand that this type of conduct is totally deplorable. Do you listen to anything you say? If he gets the chance to do this again, he should be kicked out out of the. He should never ever be allowed to hold another public office ever. That's a felony, Bob. This is a felony, and he did it on film. So come on, please just be honest with us once, okay? I'm giving you my opinion. I, this is my honest opinion. You you can fault my opinion, but you can't say my opinion is dishonest. Okay, well, if you if you really believe that that is really your true opinion, that uh, nobody can help you, Bob. You're too far left to even be saved, just like this government. All right, well, <laughs> too far left to even be saved. Thank you. Thank you so much for your call, Rob. So what do you say? Yes, yes, I agree. Pulling a fire alarm. Anytime you pull a false, uh, pull a fire alarm and it's not for an actual fire, I don't care if you want to delay a vote. I don't care if you want to disrupt tests at your school. It is wrong. It's a false report. And steps must be taken to discourage that sort of behavior. And that's why I think, I think the people in charge ought to do everything in their power to discourage this sort of thing in the future. In fact, they ought to make an announcement. 
at the uh, Congress today. Today at 9.30, to all members of Congress, if you ever, ever pull a fire alarm again and there's no fire, there are going to be shocking consequences. So don't do it. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, it's Ron from the west side of our lovely city. How are you this Monday morning? Never better. Looking forward to an eventful week. I already have two powerful stories to report later today when I get done with the program. Oh, wow. Well, I don't have anything powerful or ponderous. Uh, I guess I'm calling with a little bit of venting. Uh, No more than that, but hey, I'll get it off my chest and see what your viewers may uh, think. Uh, I did watch uh, some pro football yesterday. Uh, Miami played the Bills, and the Bills uh, beat Miami. And and uh, but the the game that uh, I I want to talk about is the game last night. It was a uh, Kansas City and the Jets, and I had to turn that game off. I, I just I couldn't take it. I I was getting nauseous. Uh, they had uh, the announcers had to turn to what Taylor Swift was doing in her special box, watching her new boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, on the field. Uh, uh, Taylor Swift has no place at a football game the way they portrayed her over and over. Oh, what is Taylor Swift doing? Who cares what Taylor Swift is doing? During a football game. I mean, talk about pandering to popular culture in the middle of a football game. Uh, So I wonder what your viewers might have uh, thought of that. Uh, Secondly, there's one other thing that has been taking place at National Football League games. And and I just wonder, maybe football fans out there, uh, maybe you could uh, call in and explain to me uh, if you agree with what I'm noticing. There was a time, I guess it's a few years back, where there was a penalty. Um, If you remember at Pro Games, there's a penalty for what they called excessive celebration. Team scores a touchdown, and uh, one of the players, you know, makes, makes a fool of himself dancing around or whatever, and they call a penalty. Now... A touchdown is scored, and the whole team rushes to the end zone and puts on a vaudeville act and goes wacko. And uh, and it seems to be the new way we have to express ourselves during a football game. Um, it just uh, is another reason I turn down the sound or I turn to another channel, even though, you know, I've always watched pro football. So Taylor Swift and celebrating in the end zone, Those are the two things which are uh, exciting me this Monday morning. And uh, ah, throw that out there. All right. Well, that um, certainly helps set the tone for the week. The I noticed he didn't ask what I thought. He wants to know what the viewers think. And I encourage viewers to contact us to share their thoughts about these burning issues from the National Football Entertainment League, NFEL. I don't think it should be called football. National Entertainment League. Change it to NEL. 
It's like, remember, it used to be WWF. They changed it to WWE for entertainment instead of whatever it stood for. So the NEL, National Entertainment League, and that's what it's become. Let's face it, football fans, the traditionalist among us, those who liked football the way it was when Broadway Joe, even before Broadway Joe was involved, the good old days, football, celebration of everything good about America. Now look at it. Football is almost secondary. Some Sometimes, based on network presentations, I don't even know if they think the football game itself is something they want to discuss. I mean, obviously, you need to have filler in between the more entertaining stuff with who's at the game, what they're doing. Or who their friends are. Looking at the Wikipedia entry, touchdown celebration for the NFL. Taunting and celebration are both offenses in the National Football League. As a result, gaudy displays are often frowned upon. If the league views the act as highly offensive, large fines and even suspensions can be issued. Well, here's the thing. Now, because it's more entertainment than it is sports, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do much about it. The networks want it. It's money. It's viewers. It's talk. Nobody would be talking about Sunday night's game. Okay. Yes, we would be talking about Sunday night's game. But we wouldn't be talking about it as much if it weren't for that other element. And I'm not mentioning the other element. I don't... We all know what the other element is. It has nothing to do with football. But that's the point. Football fans were going to watch anyway, regardless. The National Entertainment League, NEL, in conjunction with NBC TV, they want more people. So they want teenagers. They want people who identify with all genders. They want a big tent. And they want a lot of people watching. And I bet a lot more people were watching the Sunday night game on NBC network because of the circumstances than if it had been shall we say, a more routine entertainment production. 923 WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's James from Binghamton. Uh, What, you're telling me they weren't tuning in to see the Aaron Aaron Rodgers-less-led Jets, New York Jets, that's it? No. Uh, (laughs) I had to giggle for a second. Like, did, did he literally just say... Why do we have this thing that's pandering toward pop culture sensibilities in the middle of this giant pop culture event? Like, I wait a minute, man. Like, if you that's the only point of the national. That's why I think they, to be honest with us, change the name National Entertainment League. Yes, football is part of it, but so is everything else. Look at this. Look at what the Super Bowl is. And I can't say that. Oops. Sorry, sorry, attorney. Sorry. The big. Yes, the big event. The big game. The big game. Yes. 
Yes. So yes. I slipped, uh, I, and I, I, I apologize. Well, I'll probably be be. Wouldn't it be, hey, James, wouldn't it be awful if I was suspended with pay for the next three months for that slip? Mm -hmm. Yes, that would be that would be great. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was funny. It's like especially with, you know, Rodgers being injured so early, they had scheduled five, no fewer than five primetime New York Jets games, uh, which otherwise erstwhile would be a more regionally interesting team. So if, if Swift is in the audience, you guarantee, guarantee that the producers are going to be like kill that to death you know just again keep go back to the well again and so like it's okay man don't don't get stressed or annoyed by it it's just some good saccharin sometimes we're allowed yeah, to have some cotton candy and pulp you know what i mean sure. enjoy it Spe they're letting us speculate whether or not it's actually just a, a, a manufactured bit or whether they're hanging out who knows it's it, no, but yeah at a yeah. who knows and b who cares well, it's all good well, fun you, you, good clean you wanna, american fun you want to know the good conspiracy theory behind this, uh, and maybe they just – maybe it's both. It could be both, but uh, Thursday night – and I don't, it's in a few weeks, couple weeks. The Thursday night game exclusively on Amazon is going to feature the Kansas City Chiefs. And the very next day, I believe Amazon is the exclusive streaming uh, platform for the Taylor Swift concert film coming out shortly, so you have to kind of wonder a little bit, you know. Anyway, yeah, thank uh, you for pointing that out. Well, I, yeah, I, I would I'm, say that's that that there's your answer right there. And again, and, 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 uh, yeah. and no problem. That's what we're about. No. You know, I what? don't. My only problem is I didn't think of this sooner. But, like, you want to complain about teams being able to have some celebrations in the end zone when you're talking about a sport where, like, only, like, 5% of the players actually gets to get the ball themselves into the and score in the end zone? Like, come on, man. Like, otherwise, you're just stuck watching the New York Jets, and who wants to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You All put right, it – I think you have the right approach. It's yeah. – if, if this sort of thing with and, – and, again – uh, and I hope she doesn't take this the wrong way because she'll probably write a very, very powerful hit song about me because mm. what I'm about to say. She simply, <laughs> and I don't mean this in a negative way, she's not my, can you say cup of tea? She's just, it, it, and she's fine. I, I, I admire, I admire her body of work. She has done great things for music over the years and certainly as, as it has been uh, reported, that she alone, with all of her uh, live uh, entertainment things uh, over the last year or so, she's responsible for uh, keeping the nation out of a recession. That alone, pretty much. I pretty much. One other, one other peripheral thing. If anybody, if or people who like don't really have any full context of all of this, it is worth noting that Travis Kelsey and his brother, who plays for the Eagles, have one of the most rapidly ascending and popular like player back to like sports podcasts. Now the movement of athletes kind of resting control of, of forward facing media from like re traditional reporting because the access is there. The Kelsey's are, are kind of on the front lines of that right now. So it also would make sense that even if they're just friends and being plutonic about it, I could see them having a cocktail and being like, you know what, let's go scramble the, the world's brains right now, you know? So good for sure. that. And, well, just, and, yeah. and you know what? You know what? Because life is strange. Who's to say that a month from now, yeah. that the the center of the entire entertainment and sports universe hasn't suddenly shifted to East Main Street in Endicott after it's rumored that John Bones Jones is now having 
a friendship with. Uh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. We're just okay. I know. I should have said. Okay. I should have okay. said okay. Grand we'll, Boulevard. We will, grace, we, will gra- we will graciously dismount from this interesting yes. call back to your typical politics. <laughs> yes. And, Thank you. And, and hand wringing. All right. Thank you. <laughs> great, great morning. <laughs> I'll be out there on Grand Boulevard at four o'clock on a Saturday morning. Oh, please. Nine twenty-eight at WNBF. Your station for. Um, Whatever. Entertainment. It doesn't have to be all politics. Now, in fairness, <laughs> in fairness, we, <laughs> I'm sorry to report to you. Coming up next, we will talk about the elephant in the room. Actually, no, not next, but just uh, for the more sensitive viewers, coming up later between now and 10. It won't be next. So you still, I say this, for the more sensitive viewers, you still have about 10 minutes before we talk about the elephant in the room. So, let's say at approximately 940, you might, you might have to look elsewhere. That's just a heads up. It's 929. In the meantime, we will be taking more calls and we will certainly talk about the National Entertainment League. 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph on WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. Radio, 9.31. Uh, 6.31 for our listeners in California. Good morning, California. <laughs> oh, yes, that reminds me. We now have a new senator coming in, incoming from California. Sounds exciting. No, a lot of people will like that. Anyway, um... We do have plenty to talk about, again, in approximately 10 minutes, the elephant in the room. So be prepared for those who are driving or operating heavy equipment. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Bob. It's it's, uh, Dave from Vestal. Hey. Um, You know, (laughs) I've been listening, and, uh, you know, I I have to – I kind of agree with Ron. It must be the age thing, Bob. The last caller, he sounded a lot younger, so he sounds like he may be into the Pop-Tart scene. Uh, I like Ron's idea. Um, football, Bob, we don't need to see Taylor. As a matter of fact, I have a good suggestion. Ron, if he wanted to, do what I did. I got sick of looking at her, turn the channel, put it on the radio. I mean, radio, I love radio, Bob. So 
it, like the old days, you listen to sports and picture in your mind what's happening. It, it was rather fun. I did that. But you know, that's one way now, you can... Now, let me ask back. you a serious question. So on the radio broadcast, they made no mention of that issue? Well, yeah, they did a couple That's times, what I was going to say. Did. How can they but not? I mean, if seriously, how can you not? You're You're doing... You're doing a radio broadcast. It's the most important entertainment event of the year, and you can't mention why people are are so enraptured. That would be like covering the elephant in the room without mentioning the animal. But but I didn't have to see her, Bob. And, and by the way, it'd be a great way to protest. You want to drive the ratings down? Don't watch. As a matter of fact, they're coming on Amazon. Don't get it. And, and, oh, and when she, oh, when she, oh, do you right, think? Come right. on, man. That's not going to have one drop of influence on any of these companies. The Amazon, the NBC, the National Entertainment League. None of them are going to be affected by the relatively minuscule number of people who are going to protest by averting their eyes. More people. Minuscule. Minuscule. Fifty years and older, Bob, there's millions of They don't the want country. you. They don't want. That's not the target demo. It'll See, do you understand? Do you understand how the media works? The media oh, yeah. works because they're going after a target demo. Right. And and this works whether we like it or not. Look, I admit, I'm not in their target demo. They don't give a darn. They, you know, whether I watch or not is inconsequential to NBC Network, to National Entertainment League, and to Amazon. I mean, they all like my money, but especially for for uh, operations that are are focused on, on selling advertising. Obviously, Amazon wants your money, regardless of your age, whether you're one or a hundred one, they'll take your cash. Jeff Bezos is fair that way. But, um, no, as far as, if you think, if you think that, that a bunch of old white guys deciding that they're not going to be watching NBC Network or National Entertainment League games, hey, they they ultimately they would like you to watch, but if you stop watching, you know they're still going to s- sell as much Bud Light, with or without where, you. <laughs> where does it end, Bob? Uh, does does Disney send uh, Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse to the game so they draw in three and four year olds? Oh, I said we weren't going to talk about him. Yeah, Donald Duck. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Mickey Mouse. Should Donald Duck. Him, Donald Duck. And just so people know that we're not ignoring live coverage, he has arrived at the courthouse <laughs> for his civil fri- fraud trial in Manhattan. Okay, continue. You brought it up. Okay, should we get the toddlers involved? Make sure they're watching the game, Bobs. So they watch. No, toddlers have no buying power. Here's the thing: eighteen to forty-nine, <laughs> and and primarily eighteen to thirty-five, and more importantly, more importantly, and this is another thing people don't understand about what happened last night on NBC Network with their um, infatuation. We'll call it. By the way, I didn't see it, so I'll just take people's word for it. I, uh, and I well, I did see a couple clips this morning. Hey, NBC Network knows, and I think I stipulated this earlier this hour, NBC Network and National Entertainment League know men who are football fans are going to be watching that Sunday night game anyway. So that's a given. They wanted more viewers, especially the coveted women, 18 to 49, and that's why they did it. 
And that's why they'll keep but, doing it. But, but what is she doing? That I mean, she's just sitting That's not the laughing. point. And that's the beauty of it. If she was doing something, what if she what, what if she took a knee? Then half half the audience would be, you know, tuning out and be incensed. She has the good sense to essentially do nothing, certainly not take a knee or do anything controversial. She's cheer, cheering on the National Entertainment League. We don't even know, actually, if she's cheering on. Uh, that guy, well, the the entertainer, or other members of the National Entertainment League. Also, we don't know if the NEL is is paying her money to be there. For all I know, she's getting a five hundred thousand dollar appearance fee for every one of these uh, entertainment productions that she so shows up to. Okay, Bob. Then we're going to chip in and send you to a game with a WNBF sign twelve ninety. No, they want more people to tune in. They don't want people to tune out. You, you put me at a game, people are going to tune out in droves. You know, and no, automatically no. you'll you'll have lost, you know, half the people in Vestal. <laughs> no, Bob, that's not true. We like listening, Bob. You know that. Yes, it's I'm I'm sort of the Howard Cosell of radio. You can't. You don't like me, but you can't help but listen. That's that's the way Howard Cosell was when he was speaking of sports. Half the half the people loved him, and half the people hated him. But the important thing for ABC Network was, both TV and radio network was, uh, people felt compelled to to listen to what he said, even even if he was more annoying than this musical star. Now, okay, and by the way, that brings up another point. Better to have her on your TV on a Sunday night than Howard Cosell, and I miss him dearly. But um, let's face it, if given the choice between two things, this is not A, B, and C, where uh, A, the choice is, I'm not going to mention her name. We know by now who she is. Uh, that that is choice A. B. Howard Cosell or C. None of the the above. None of the above is not a choice. You have a choice for your Sunday night entertainment on NBC Network. Who would you want on? Her or Cosell? Uh, that's a tough one, Bob. <laughs> no, it's I'd an easy one. Cosell. I'd have to. Go you would Cosell. want Howard Cosell on your yeah. TV on a Sunday night on NBC Network instead of her. Yeah, I'd have to, Bob. I'd have to go with Cosell. Number, number one, he knows much more football than she does. I don't think she knows anything about football. It doesn't matter. When she claps. Does does Kelsey's mother tell her when to clap and when not to? I mean, she doesn't know. They have Bob. a sign. They have a sign up there in the booth. <laughs> it's like, you know how at uh, the NBC Tonight Show, Johnny Carson's jokes sometimes were funny and sometimes not, but it didn't make any difference because they had a, a sign that the... Uh, intern would turn on when they wanted the audience to applaud so and people are like chimps you put a sign up applaud and <laughs> and so you know they they can give her guidance of course she knows well i shouldn't say of course maybe she knows a lot more about football than i do in fact in fact now I will be uh, perfectly clear on this. She probably knows more about football than I do. And I admit that's not saying much, but still, at least I'm honest. You know, I do remember you saying, Bob, when you were in school, I remember you saying, I got a good memory. I remember you saying on the air, the only time you were on the football field was when the band was on yes. the field. 
Yeah, I never I'm played. Saying that. I'm proud. I'm, saying that. I'm proud because I, I never I never subjected myself to a serious head injury. The odds of getting a concussion while playing the sousaphone and marching at halftime, the odds of getting a concussion or other serious injury are fairly remote. Now, could it have happened? Yes. <laughs> it could have happened. Uh, did it happen? Apparently not. 941. Uh, content alert coming up. We'll talk about you know who on a Monday morning at WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF Live. Bob Joseph with you at 9.43 on a Monday morning watching the courthouse. Donald Trump has arrived at the courthouse as the excitement builds. <laughs> He's just arrived for opening statements in the fantastic and highly anticipated civil trial in New York City. The Big Apple, Manhattan, where dreams are made. And... Uh, all we see now from the pool feed is a bunch of people with cameras and microphones on big sticks. So we're expecting the perp walk at any moment now. Is he, uh, is here? I believe, I believe the proceedings are set to begin at 10 o'clock, approximately 15 minutes from now. And, uh, there is, uh, an air of anticipation. By the way, as historian Michael Bashloss just tweeted, Al Capone went to prison for income tax evasion. Not sure what that has to do with what's going on today, but that's the, that's the, uh, point being made by a noted presidential historian. Al Capone went to prison for income tax evasion. Hmm. Hmm. What does he mean by that? So, um, According to AP, this civil trial could uh, ultimately cost Donald Trump control of his tower and some other prized properties. So we already heard the judge say he's um, no longer allowed to do business in New York, which is pretty serious because think about this. I'm allowed to do business in New York, but he isn't. 945 <laughs> WNBF. I know I'm always going to be allowed to do business in New York. It's, it's a sad commentary. All right. Who is this? Some more guys are <laughs> showing up in the shot. I'm, um, I'm keeping one eye on the, uh, the pool feed because we want to see who comes up next. They're all what, what I guess this means is. Because it's a New York State trial, apparently there won't be cameras 
or microphones in the courtroom. So this will be about as good as it gets, which is kind of sad, but it is uh, it is what it is. I think that's another issue in New York State, which we should be. We should definitely be allowed to have cameras and microphones in the court for this case. They should make some sort of exception. So, again, in the meantime, we're looking at this less than stellar pool shot. You know, it looks like it's somebody, a shot being, (laughs) it almost feels as though it's someone shooting this with a really cheap Y-phone. Not an iPhone, a Y-phone. It was made in Tompkins County. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? You hit double zero. That's John (laughs) from Binghamton. Good morning, John. Good morning, Binghamton. Hey, uh, well, I forgot the guy's name, the caricature guy in New York, the famous guy. Perhaps they can take uh, the courtroom sketches and, and hang them up in a in a steakhouse in New York. <laughs> uh, but what I called about is, imagine, Bob, a New York City parade. Imagine it. Uh, without lewd behavior, uh, without arrests, uh, without simulated sex uh, from the audience. Imagine that. And... Uh, the Pulaski Day Parade went off without a hitch, without any grotesque, disgusting, or vulgar behavior, uh, without any riotous behavior. And uh, the president of Poland marched in the parade. But I, I think we've got to understand one thing. There's a tremendous, even to this day, no matter how much they try to culturally poison us, the overriding factor in behavioral determination is the way people are raised, what they believe in, their family values, no matter how, how much that term is, is uh, used as a pejorative. Uh, there's a vast difference in people and their behavior, particularly their public behavior. So I want to congratulate the organizers of the Pulaski Day Parade. It's too bad. It's too bad we don't have one up here. But the exemplary behavior of both the the, the paraders, marchers, and uh, the crowd is it, something to be marveled at. It it, it shows that this infection uh, the, that is uh, going up all around our society is not embraced by all people. All right, stand by. I'm going to try to pick up Letitia James. Committed persistent and repeated fraud. Last this is Tish James, New York's Attorney General, speaking live in New York City. Today, uh, we will prove our other claims. My message is simple. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how much money you think you may have, no one is above the law. And it is my responsibility and my duty and my job to enforce it. The law is both powerful and fragile. And today in court, we will prove our case. I thank you all for being here. And again, justice will prevail. Thank you. New York State Attorney General Letitia James live on WNBF. Sorry, John, had to pick that up. Well, let me respond to that. Uh, You know, there's about a dozen families 
that own real estate, own the bulk of the real estate in New York City. Everybody knows their name. Uh, one of them owns businesses in Tioga County. Uh, but the idea uh, that real estate uh, uh, developers, real estate owners, landlords, if you will, uh, uh, don't inflate values uh, to get financing, I mean, that's, a, a, that's gambling in Casablanca. Well, I would, I would say it's done all the time. It's, it's my expectation. I, and maybe that'll be a part of Donald Trump's defense is what you're accusing our client of is something that is part of the rich American tradition. It's going on today. It's gone on for centuries and it'll continue to go on. Um, well, whether it's in Manhattan or anywhere else in this country or for that matter, anywhere else in the world. Well, I was once in a Florida mortgage broker's office, and I was transfixed because there was a fax machine and a bottle of whiteout. And it was so obvious that I kept looking at it that he said, oh, you want to see the secret of this business? And he went and got the bottle of whiteout. This is the secret of this business. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Thank you, John. appreciate it. It's 9.51 WNBF. Helping America understand exactly what it's about. 607-772-1290. Everyone is permitted to participate in this broadcast. We are not elitist. We cast a wide net, the widest net ever in the history of radio. Nearly 8 billion people are allowed to call in right now on a Monday morning. Who will be next? This is Bob Joseph. Stay tuned as we find out. Fifty-three. Now, the weather using Doppler 1290. Something I just imagined. Hatchy fog this morning, mostly sunny this afternoon. 77 tomorrow, partly sunny. High 82. They are. It's 9.54 WNBF. Uh, for those who are fans of the temperature, it's officially 58 Fahrenheit. That's 14 Celsius at Radio 1290. Hmm. What else is there? What else? We're still waiting for uh, the big guy to come in. I think he's waiting till the last possible minute. As we monitor, <laughs> we monitor the uh, very, very shaky pool feed. You would think they would have paid, oh, I don't know what it would cost, 300 bucks to rent um, a tripod for for your camera for the pool feed. Again, the big guy is there. He is <laughs> universally known. But so so far, he has not come through the hallway. So we uh, anxiously await his arrival. Of course, there's heavy security at the site. 
Mm. No, for a second there, I thought it was him, but he's he still is. Uh, I bet, but he's just lurking around the corner. I think, I think he'll. You know, they pay attention. Actually, you, you remember when? In fact, it was was it three years ago that he was diagnosed with COVID. Remember how they choreographed his his return to the White House? It made sure they said it was going to happen maybe around 6.30. So all the evening newscasts were basically hijacked because everybody said, oh, well, the big guy is coming back to the White House and we want to see him whip off his mask. And he kept the producers and the anchors at CBS, NBC, and ABC on uh, figuratively on the edge of their seats for the entire broadcast. And then he forced them, <laughs> instead of locking out at 58.50, as they're supposed to, they had to keep it uh, going into 7 o'clock and cutting into the lucrative syndicated shows. You know, the Wheel of Fortunes and Entertainment Today and all that stuff. That's where the, the TV stations make all their money. And so he caused all sorts of havoc. And some people said, oh, well, that was unintentional. No. I think the helicopter, Marine One, which was not made in a Wego, took us the, the longest possible route from the hospital back to the White House took a circuitous route, something that should have taken a matter of a few minutes, took, I think, an extra seven or eight minutes so he could wind up landing on the lawn at the White House and then wreck everybody's uh, 7 o'clock ID. It's 9.57 live at WNBF. We're still monitoring the courthouse in New York City. Bob Joseph live as the trial begins. WNBF. He's he's at the courthouse. We're the he's inside. The guy with the camera fell off his perch. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, oh, they have another more stable shot. Nice, very nice. He's arrived just in time for the uh, seven o'clock ID. How is this? Not choreographed. Ten o'clock. This is WNBF Binghamton on a history. Could be anywhere from fifty to a hundred times more than And a lot of those numbers could even be low. We have other properties the same thing. So he devalued everything. I didn't even put in my best asset, which is the brand in terms of value. Coca-Cola, take a look at their value. They have a value. The value of their brand is more than everything else put together. My brand is extremely valuable. I didn't even use it in my financials. If I wanted to build up a financial statement, 
I would have built it up by using brands in addition to everything else. Former President problems. Trump making a statement outside the courtroom as he gets ready to head into his civil fraud trial. The judge has already decided a key part of this case. And that's ABC News coverage. ABC News Live. By more than $2 billion by overestimating the value of Summers. Again, uh, the president... Apparently, he's going to be late for the trial because we were under the impression that the court session was to begin at 10 o'clock. It's now 10.05, and he is still speaking with reporters. He has been speaking with reporters in the hallway area of the Manhattan courthouse now for, let's say, over five minutes. Anyway, we'll monitor what's going on. We'll keep you posted as the trial gets underway in New York City. Listening to WNBF Live. It's 10.05. Now, local news with WNBF's Don Morgan. It's two-week-old ammunition background check system saying they disagree with state political leaders that it will reduce gun violence in the state. More members of the law enforcement last Thursday spoke out about the New York State Police background check system as issues persist and U.S. Supreme Court justices will consider taking up a challenge to the state's Concealed Carry Improvement Act and background checks on ammo purchases. Albany County Sheriff Greg Apple, a Democrat, says the required background checks to purchase weapons or ammunition are more of a nuisance than a change that will keep New Yorkers safe. More than 14,000 transactions for people to buy firearms and ammunition have been approved since the new law took effect on September 13th, including more than 6,100 transactions approved for firearm purchases and 8,300 approved transactions for ammunition. State police refused to release the number of applications that have been denied. New York State Police will also not discuss the grounds nor specific reasons why that they used to deny an attempted firearm or ammunition purchase or respond to questions about why retired law enforcement have been rejected. Police provide the applicant a reason for denial upon appeal. Ralph Bullock of Dryden was sentenced yesterday to serve 97 months in federal prison for possession of child pornography, according to the United States Attorney. An acting special agent in charge of the Albany Field Office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. As part of his prior guilty plea, Bullock admitted that on January 2018 and April of 2021, he possessed images of child pornography on three separate devices, including images of prepubescent minors. In reaching its sentence, the court found that the defendant had committed a prior pattern of activity involving the sexual abuse or exploitation of two minor children who were four and six years old at the time of the conduct. Bullock was sentenced to 20 years of supervised release following his term of incarceration and ordered him to pay restitution of 3000 each to two of the children whose images he possessed. Upon release from imprisonment, he must also register as a sex offender. A rapidly expanding national restaurant chain is preparing to open its first location in the Binghamton area. Site preparation is underway for a Cordoba Mexican Eats restaurant on the Vestal Parkway. Vestal Town Supervisor John Schaefer says he expects the new business may be open by the end of the year, although he's not heard a specific target date for the start of operations. The restaurant building will be located at 2512 Vestal Parkway East. 
New York City is drying out after being soaked by one of its wettest days in decades. City dwellers are now trying to dry out basements while traffic resumed at highways, subways and airports that were temporarily shuttered by Friday's severe rainfall. The heavy rainfall knocked out several subway and computer 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 rail lines, stranded drivers on highways, flooded basements and shuttered a terminal at LaGuardia Airport for hours. While the fierce storm has moved on, some of its damage lingered into the weekend. A power outage in a Brooklyn neighborhood caused by the storm prompted city officials on Saturday to evacuate staff at about 120 patients from a city hospital. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Attention. WNBF Live on a Monday morning. This is Bob Joseph at WNBF. America needs you. Harry Truman. Harry. Could you please come home? Things are looking bad. I know you would be mad. To see your favorite man. They'll about the land you love. Harry Truman. I don't remember him personally, but I've read enough about President Harry S. Truman to be um, fascinated with um, that president and with that era. And coming up this week, Fred Grandy will be performing Give Him Hell Harry in Johnson City at the Shore Family Firehouse stage. And we are fortunate to be able to speak with Fred Grandy live right now on this Monday morning. Good morning, sir. Hi, Bob. Well, listen, that, that song you were playing, is that Randy Newman? It sounds like Randy Newman, but it was actually a hit from the group Chicago. Really? Yeah. I, I've never that song, and I thought I just about every song that's been written about Harry Truman, but... Well, all right. I'll have to add that to my repertoire. Yeah, and and while we're speaking, actually, I'll I'll do a look up to see who who actually was the vocalist because I I actually I, I remember when the song was a minor hit many years ago, and I never mm-hmm. considered that it sure sounds like Randy Newman. So who knows? Maybe it is, but it was uh, yeah. it was uh, one of Chicago's. Uh, more modest hits along the way. Anyway, Fred Grandy, this is uh, it's a, a, a pleasure. I know you're going to be coming to Binghamton, uh, I believe, on Wednesday. You're going to be here for a while. You've got uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit going on, including the uh, couple of performances, I believe, of Give Em Hell, Harry and Johnson City. Right. And uh, before we talk about the show, let's talk a bit about your life. Uh, many people are familiar with you whether it's the entertainment side of your life or the time that you spent in Washington, D.C., and even, as uh, I, I verified, uh, time you spent 
doing um, morning drive radio in the nation's capital. You've got quite quite a resume. Yeah, well, thanks to morning radio, I can't sleep past 5 o'clock in the morning anymore. So. <laughs> that is one of the things. You know, if you do a morning radio or TV show, and especially morning radio, that's that's really where the big audience is. But And I've done sure. early morning radio in the past, and I remember getting up at, at say, 2.30 or 3 o'clock, and I'm thinking, Oh, sure. Yeah, this is, yeah. This is normal people don't get up this early, but you have to. If you're going to be informing people, whether it's in a big city like D.C. or New York City or a smaller town like Binghamton, and, yeah, when... When the alarm rings, doesn't matter if you want to go up, get up or not. You you got to be you hop out of bed, drink your coffee, and get to the studio. Absolutely. Well, you know, drive time is prime time. Uh, morning drive time radio, and my partner and I would go on the air at five o'clock in the morning. Our editorial meeting would be at four o'clock in the morning, and I was usually up at between one thirty and two o'clock in the morning to go over all of the stories that we were going to cover. So. Um, and that meant that I had to go to bed at 6.30 at night, which was like being punished as a little kid. But I, I did that for 10 years. <laughs> and it's tough to get used to, but after a while, you know, when the rest of, of people are going out and having fun, especially in the summer, that's what was always mm-hmm. tough for me. You know, that it would still be light at 9 o'clock, and by then I should have been sleeping for two or three hours. Oh, absolutely. Well, as my partner said, you never get used to it, but you get used to not getting used to it. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your early life. So you grew up in Iowa? Yeah, I was uh, I was born in, in, and raised in Sioux City, Iowa, and that's exactly the area that I represented in Congress for eight years, the northwestern part of the state. So um, not a farm kid, but, um, but um, you know, obviously very steeped in agriculture, as I had to be coming from that part of the world. And tell me a little bit about your education. I, I uh, am just looking at at your early life. You actually wound up in New Hampshire of all places, the live free, yeah, or, live was, free uh, or die state. That's right. I was I was to a place called the Phillips Exeter Academy by my parents, and then um, went down um, to Harvard and uh, was actually at Harvard during the entire student movement. You know, from 1966 to 1970. So it turned out that I wound up going to college for two years and protesting for two years. So I really only had the equivalent of a junior college education, I'm afraid. Oh, and I see you had a a roommate at Exeter who was known to some people. Yeah, um, David Eisenhower. Um, uh, I've been reluctant to tell him to come see me and give him hell Harry. Um, Bob, because it's it's very critical of Eisenhower. Truman and Eisenhower uh, were not very friendly until the end of their lives and careers. So I didn't think I could do that to David. And, of course, he's married to Julie Nixon Eisenhower, and the play is even tougher on Nixon. So I've I've kind of kept my powder dry, as we used to say. <laughs> well, it's still fascinating to, to think yeah. about that aspect, and then uh, you're now performing – Give them hell, Harry, and 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 even mm-hmm. thinking a bit about how uh, others, whether it's members of the Eisenhower family or the Nixon family, might uh, might take it. I, I mean, I've talked to Ed Nixon, who has been the uh, the 
over the years, the uh, head of the New York State Republican Party, and even talked about, mm-hmm. uh, as, as we say, some of the less pleasant times, as, as shall we say, the Nixon administration was winding down in August 1974, and you can't change history. Mm-hmm. And it's at, at the same time, when you, you learn about how some of these things played out and get some insight from people who um, were, were very familiar with with the, the human the human side of the drama and sometimes political intrigue it it's uh, to me just having that opportunity to get a better perspective of what went on i i think is fascinating especially on a a live talk show yeah and and you know as i've i've studied this uh richard nixon came to congress in 1946 when the republicans finally recaptured the house and senate and very quickly came to prominence during what became to be known as as the Red Scare. And, of course, he was very critical, along with others of the Truman administration. Not entirely correct in that, I don't believe. But in any event, there was always a kind of um, contentiousness between Truman and Nixon. It eventually subsided, you know, later when they were older and wiser. But at the time, um, I think Richard Nixon was probably probably Harry Truman's least favorite guy on the earth until he actually had to deal with Douglas MacArthur. Interesting. That's interesting. That's yeah. You know, it, well, it, you know, that the, the play does all of this. The play is, is uh, really a, a biographical sketch of Truman told in his own words, mostly, but uh, the thing I want to stress more than anything else is it is a great underdog story and it is a very funny show. So even if you don't care about politics, and a lot of people don't these days. It's very entertaining to come and just listen to this guy talk. And I think that's a, an interesting point to make. That uh, and, and hey, you and I and a lot of people understand that given what's transpired, say over the last decade or so, in some cases mm-hmm. people are just burned out. And I, I don't know if it's because of the 24-hour news channels or social media or maybe just too much popularity of radio talk. You know, I think sometimes people just feel uh, inundated to the point where they just can't take it anymore. And yet for the show that you'll be performing on Saturday night and Sunday afternoon in Johnson City, there will be the entertainment component. So even if you're not not particularly fond of politics at this point, you still could have a, a good time and, and relax a bit. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And, and no matter where you are on the political spectrum, right, left, or, uh, as you said, frustrated and tired of it all, everybody seems to love a great underdog story. And Harry Truman is, is a classic underdog. I mean, nobody was less likely to become the president of the United States than this guy. He had failed at everything he tried to do in his life until he was about 40. And kind of backed end, backed into politics as a, as a county judgeship in Independence, Missouri, and then all of a sudden found himself in the U.S. Senate, and then the vice presidency, and then the presidency. So it's one accident right after another. But nobody, I think, and I may be a little biased on this, but nobody rose to the occasion greater than he did. And that's that's you know that's as I've said before, this kind of story is really kind of rocky and wingtips. Um, and, and, you know, he's he's one of these guys that was, there couldn't have been anybody more, less likely to become 
the chief executive of the United States at a, at a particularly critical period in our history. I mean, if there's a more momentous event than deciding to drop the atomic bomb in World War II, I've, I've not discovered it yet. So tell me about uh, your involvement. Uh, how did it come to pass that, that you began to uh, perform this uh, one-man show about Harry S. Truman? Well, I actually have the pandemic to thank for that, Bob, because um, like a lot of my actor friends, um, I was untimely ripped from any job I might have had uh, once the pandemic hit and closed just about every theater in the United States. And um, a few friends and I who were in the same position, cast out of work, decided we'd form a small production company, an LLC, and we were looking for shows that small theaters like Firehouse and elsewhere could do that would not run afoul of the major uh, COVID protocols, which were pretty restrictive. I mean, for a while, you couldn't do a show and have people on stage within six feet of one another, which made love scenes kind of problematic. So we um, we were sitting around and we found this, this play, Give Him Hell, Harry, which is a one-man show. Um, and James Whitmore had actually originally toured in it way back at the end of the Nixon administration, really. So, but, but, but two things really struck out, uh, struck me. One was, of course, what I said is how funny it was and how really a great underdog story it was. And two, how Harry Truman's era and our own are so similar. I mean, you know, Mark Twain said history never repeats itself, but it does rhyme. And Harry Truman's time really rhymes with ours. So that that was really what got us going. And fortunately, during the pandemic, a bunch of small theaters were looking to find some way to lure people back into their houses. And this show filled the bill. Well, I think it's great the way that worked out. And it's certainly... Yeah going to be uh, a great opportunity for people here in the Binghamton area to either Saturday night or Sunday afternoon see your performance at the Shore Family Firehouse stage on Willow Street in Johnson City. Uh, any sense of how much longer you intend to do this? Have you decided to keep doing it for a while longer or haven't you gotten that far? Well, we've done this. Binghamton will be our sixth uh, venue for the show. And as I say, I've been doing it for about two years all over the country. I actually did it in Syracuse um, a year or so ago. Um, but I'll do it for as long as people want to see it. Uh, it's not the only thing I do, of course, but it's um, it's a show that is very easily transferable from one theater to another. It's one set and, and not a very complicated one. And so as long as people want to find out about this guy and and see a very entertaining show that'll make you laugh and make you think uh i'll keep doing it so but that's up that's up to the theaters that we deal with not me and the performances in johnson city saturday night at seven sunday afternoon at two and people can get more information including um, obtaining tickets at firehousestage.org so that'll be at shore family firehouse stage in johnson city touched on uh, a little bit of uh, your very interesting life. Of course, uh, a lot of our listeners will remember your time on the love boat. Tell me mm. a little bit about that. I, I I have to confess, 
the love boat was never on my uh, regular viewing list. I think probably my exposure to uh, your character on the love boat was uh, limited probably to those uh, beautiful ABC TV promos voiced by Ernie Anderson. Tell me about the love boat. Well, first of all, it's not too late to start up and become a devotee, Bob. It's it's being, I think, every episode is now on the Paramount Plus network that CBS has. So, if you want to go back and and recra- you know, recover what you missed, <laughs> so I, I can binge, I can binge starting this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, um, that was about forty five years ago, so I don't quite look the same. But yeah, I mean, that was a show that that. Uh, it came out of nowhere. It took it took three pilots to get that show made. The network was very was very down on it until Aaron Spelling came along, who at the time was ABC's uh, most successful producer. And once he kind of wrapped his arms around the show, it became a hit. And then, to everybody's amazement, it became a third world power. You know, the cruise industry was moribund in the late 70s and most people thought it was it was on its way out well obviously uh love boat revitalized not just the princess line but i don't know how many cruise lines there are in the world i mean princess itself is now part of a nine um a, a nine cruise line consortium that has ships all over the world so it was one of those things, one of those great fortuitous accidents that just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, those of us who were on the show, from Gavin McLeod through uh, the rest of the cast, were just, you know, like most actors, happy to have a job. And then when it became this monster hit and was renewed year after year after year, um, it allowed us, all of us as actors, to kind of pick and choose what we wanted to do. And that's, that's you know, that's an opportunity, unfortunately, a lot of performers never get. And I just noticed, and I I either was unaware or just forgot about this, you were badly injured uh, while, while shooting uh, a, a segment for The Love Boat more than four yeah, decades we were, ago. That's right. We were in Turkey, and um, we were at a party, uh, that was hosted by the local government in Turkey. We're at a little resort area. And um, we, um, some castmates and I decided that we would go back to the ship. Party was over. And there were a bunch of party balloons. Um, and, and so um, we decided we'd take the party balloons back with us and celebrate on the ship. So we got in this taxi cab. And at the time, I was smoking. And one of my, my cigarette brushed one of these balloons, and it popped. Now, of course, party balloons are filled with helium, right? But in Turkey, for some reason, they fill them with hydrogen. Ooh. So, so I mean, the, um, the flame shot six feet in the air, and had the windows been closed or the engine been on, it would have been, it would have been the end of the line. But as it turned out, I was, I was badly burned. And um, essentially had to recover while I was on location. And uh, we, were, we were out for about six weeks. You know, we'd go out for about six weeks every year and do these fabulous location things. And um, I had a big episode that I was prominent in 
that was going to be shot in Italy where I was actually playing two parts. I was playing myself and an Italian guy who looked like me. And I had to wear heavy, heavy bandages on my arms. And um, the writer said, well, we'll just say you have poison ivy. How you get poison ivy on a ship, I don't know. But that's fortunately something we never had to explain. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and and I, I assume... I assume as you continued to recuperate, you you had to have been also in pain. Yeah, it's uh, if you've ever been badly burned like that, and I had second and three degree, third degree burns on my hands, um, it is at first very painful and then very uncomfortable. And um, I wound up having to go to a burn rehab unit in in the San Fernando Valley for about a year after I got back. Well, thanks for speaking about a painful part of your life. Well, the good news is it burned a lot of skin off my hands and face, which means that my my hands and face are about 20 years younger than I am. And that's that's not a bad thing when you're trying to get work. <laughs> That's an intriguing way to look at it. By the way, uh, we'll wrap up in, in just a moment. We're speaking with Fred Grandy, uh, entertainment and and uh, politics. He'll be uh, in Johnson City this coming weekend performing Give Him Hell Harry. And uh, you, you spent time in Congress, ultimately, um, you know, after after serving some time representing people in, in Iowa, you uh, you left Congress. What's your assessment of what's going on in Washington today? Oh, wow. Where do I begin? Um, first of all, um, again, to kind of re- re- reprise what I said about Harry Truman's time from about 1945 to 1952 to our present time from about 2014 until now, politics has always been a blood sport. I mean, the parties have always warred with each other and warred within their own caucuses. I want to go back to something that you pointed out earlier. I think one of the things that makes it even more uh, contentious and brittle uh, right now is the dominance of first cable television, talk radio, and now social media that has pretty much, I think, held a lot of members of Congress hostage so that they don't tend to think in terms of what is the best thing for the country as opposed to what is the best thing for the party or myself. And this is another huge contrast with a guy like Harry Truman, who made some of the most incredibly difficult decisions in his uh, almost eight years in the White House. But his his one guiding force was always what's the best for the country, not what what's the best for the Democratic Party, what's the best for myself as a candidate, um, but what's the best for the country, and this includes, you know, making the decision about ending the war, uh, being the first president of the 20th century to do anything meaningful about civil rights, the first president to recognize the state of Israel. I mean, all, all of these things were driven by a kind of moral compass that uh, it's hard to find now, and that's that's what troubles me more than anything about uh, what we see in Washington. Could Harry S. Truman be elected president of the United States in 2024? Boy, that's a tough question. I don't think he'd be very welcome in the Democratic Party uh, because he was obviously a New Deal Democrat, but he's he's not a progressive in the woke sense. Um, 
I don't know how he would deal with LGBTQ or or some of the uh, some of the things that seem to be at the forefront of the progressive agenda. But you know, I'm not so sure Ronald Reagan could get elected now either, Bob. So um, it's too bad because these guys, I think, are are role models. But I'm not sure that we have learned our history as well as we should, which is to me another motivation for doing the show. And another reason for people to um, see it Saturday night or I Sunday so. afternoon. I hope so. One one thing I do want to say um, before we sign off here is that after each performance, we have a short talk back, maybe 20 minutes, where people who want to can hang around and ask questions either about things in the show that they didn't quite understand or wanted to know more about. Or, and this has happened everywhere we've gone, share their own stories about Harry Truman. You know, not not a lot of people were around when he was the president, but they certainly have relatives and family friends and stories that have been handed down. And that's one of, I think, one of the best parts of doing this show is the talk back after it. Give them hell, Harry, coming up this weekend in Johnson City. By the way, circling back about the uh, the song that we led off the segment with, it was written by Robert Lamb for the group Chicago, and he was the lead vocalist, so it wasn't Randy Newman. But interestingly, the uh, industry publication Cashbox at the time did say it starts out sounding like a Randy Newman song and evolves into a Beatlesque romp. So... Uh, yes, it, it was Newman-esque, but it wasn't Randy Newman after all. Well, I'm going to find that song because, you know, up to this point, Harry Truman's theme song has always been, I'm just wild about Harry. Uh, of course, when he was running for the presidency, he was his popularity was lower than Joe Biden's. So a lot of people were singing, I'm just mild about Harry. Um, but it's, it's good to have another tune. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fred Grandy, a real pleasure to speak with you. I wish you the best as you prepare to visit Binghamton later this week. I know you'll be also making at least one other appearance besides the performance in Johnson City. So I wish you the best. Maybe I'll have a chance to meet you sometime in Johnson City this coming weekend. Hope so, Bob. Take care. Take care. 1036, again, if you want more information about Give em Hell Harry, coming up on Saturday night and Sunday afternoon at the Shore Family Firehouse Stage on Willow Street, go to firehousestage.org. Monday Morning Live, this is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Ivanka, I didn't realize her voice. They probably did something with the voice, with the uh, in in editing. But it's it's intriguing what they can do electronically. Uh, Monday morning at WNBF. Um, not wanting to get too political, but 
what can we do? Uh, the reality is the fraud trial is underway now in New York City. Uh, Donald Trump, number 45, is uh, in the courtroom. And there were some live pictures, I believe. But I think it was just at the beginning. I don't believe they're allowed allowed to show anything uh, live coverage inside the courtroom, as far as I can tell. I wish I wish we could have complete live coverage. On the other hand, I think this trial is going to last a while, so probably, probably uh, a lot of people would start to lose interest. But it is getting underway, and we'll see what happens. Um, actually, let's let's check out our towering stack of stuff. In case you missed it, there, there is a lot to talk about here with Donald Trump now uh, on trial. He did have an opportunity to speak with uh, reporters a short time ago. And probably most of what he said will come as no surprise to anyone. This is a continuation of the single greatest witch hunt of all time. All right. He also wants to say emphatically there was no crime. His contention is the crime is against him. There was no crime. The crime is against me. And that's the way it is. It is a witch hunt, according to Donald Trump, a witch hunt. And... As he has made crystal clear, he is not a fan of New York State's Attorney General Tish James. Although, I would hasten to add, we believe the feeling is mutual. Tish James is not a fan of Don Trump. So I I think you could say they have uh, an equal amount of respect for each other. Very simply put... It's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. We have a corrupt attorney general in this state. For her part, the attorney general, Tiss James, says, in her view, it's crystal clear what happened. And she says that she and her team will be able to prove the claims that they've made. Donald Trump and the other defendants have con- committed persistent and repeated fraud. Last week, we proved that in our motion for summary judgment. Today, uh, we will prove our other claims. So there you go. The trial is getting underway. We'll monitor proceedings in Manhattan and keep you posted. ABC will have an update coming up in less than 20 minutes. Bob Joseph, for you and for the people, 607-772-1290. Call us. What do you think? 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Okay, you can be on Fifth Avenue this morning. He's secured in the courtroom. <laughs> 
Everybody on Fifth Avenue will be safe for the next few hours. WNBF Live, Living Keller, Monday morning. And, uh, well, it's definitely going to be a, a very historic week for America. And that's why we're here, covering it live wherever the stories take us. Back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It's Beverly. Hey. How you doing? Never better. Well, I'm doing pretty good. Except, except once in a while, my legs don't like me, but I'm doing all right. Well, that's uh, uh, yeah, to be expected. You have to hang in there. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm up in years, too, you know, so I got... I get out and I walk, I walk a lot, and I use my upright, upright walker that I got, and uh, so I'm doing pretty good. Uh, what I called for... Is that I see that they extended um, the shutdown for forty for forty five days. What's going to happen after that? Because you know Christmas is coming up. And, you know people won't be wanting to buy you know buy gifts and stuff. I wonder if it's going to if it's going to stop us from having the holidays. Good. Could the holidays could have to be canceled? The Thanksgiving holiday and all the other fine holidays that that follow. Because if if we're distracted by um, a government shutdown, a lot of people won't want to celebrate. And even if they want to celebrate, a lot of people might not be getting paid. So, you know, how can you possibly celebrate the holidays when you have no cash? Yeah, that's true too. You know, but. I'm glad they gave us 45 days because everyone was beginning to, beginning to worry, you know. Oh, I agree. You know, I commend Speaker Kevin McCarthy for doing what had to be done. I didn't think he had it in him. And, um, you know, thankfully they, they managed to, uh, keep the government from shutting down, which, as you know, that's, that's the most basic thing in the USA today is keeping the government running. If you can't keep the government running, what can you do? Yeah. And then, like I said, like I said before, Bob, uh, other countries should be, should be, uh, help Ukraine besides us. I mean, we're, United States is a loyal, is a loyal country, you know, but, you know, the way that I feel, we can't keep doing all this stuff. Well, it's billions and billions of dollars. They're talking, they're talking billions of dollars a month, and we don't have that kind of money. No, we don't. I know, I know, Ukraine is depending on us, you know, but you know, these other countries, like I said before, should be should be helping out too. I mean, there's some wealthy countries out there. I don't think Saudi Arabia would be helping us. I doubt it. Well. Then you don't know. My my thought is that, first of all, the Saudis, why why we have to be, be in bed with the Saudis, and, and let's face it, it comes down to oil. 
If if it wasn't yeah, for their true. oil, that's why we, the prices are up so high. Well, exactly. They they and some other people who have lots of oil have intentionally cut back on production to keep our prices. They, you know, what the Saudis I think would like to see, Beverly. Go ahead. I think on Christmas Eve they would love to see the price of gas at four dollars a gallon on Main Street in Binghamton, or even at the station near your house there on Front Street. The speed, oh, the, the up, speed station. By the spot restaurant. That place. That the other day we come, we come down through. I think yesterday. Yeah, because I uh, we went to Aldi's. I love that store, and uh, there was twelve cars parked there, and it was three fifty nine a gallon. Where where the other ones are three ninety nine. Then the and that guy, those people up there, they're very very nice people. They're you know they're from another country, but they, you know, but they, like they told, like they told us yesterday. He says we're for the American people and we're going to help them. Well, that's good. By the way, speaking of Aldi's, did you see that they're going to give some of their uh, employees body worn cameras? So the same kind of cameras that yeah, the, poli- they that the police have. Yeah, they already have those checkout things where the, where you get in front of where you. You know where you check out. They take your picture. No, they take. Wait, I haven't been to Aldi lately. You're telling me if I go to Aldi, they're going to take my picture? Yeah, yeah. At one of those checkouts, uh, self checkouts. Yes. I don't want my picture taken. I want my Aldi food. I don't want them to take my picture. Yeah. Well, well, when you when you use those check those checkouts. Uh, places that's what they do and i walked i walked over just to see what they were li- what they were like and they took my picture and i said oh my lord well here's another thing they said they're gonna uh, not just those cameras they're gonna give the workers and security guards a uh the body-worn cameras like that they wear like that the police have well so everything you do, say if I say to um, Alan Aldi or whoever runs the one, the, the one that I like is the one in Vestal. Well, some, they also have the one in Johnson City and the one up near um, Front Street. I like them all, but I think Alan Aldi wa- runs the checkouts from three to eleven in Vestal. So he's probably going to start having a body worn camera. So every time I say hi, Al, how's it going? That's going to be recorded. Right. Yeah. Well, they're they're awfully nice. They're awful nice to me up up here at all days. So if I have a heart, if I'm with somebody, and and uh, they, you know, and I can't, and they say I went with my aide, and my aide was pushing me around, and if she and if she was, uh, it couldn't do it. Do you know that they will help me? They'll take me around around the store so I can get my merchandise, and they even take me up to the cashier. Well, they are nice people. That's uh, Alan Aldi, and um, I, well, I think before he got the job over at the store in Vestal, I think he was that uh, actor in Mash. So now, now he's doing the checkout. I think it's him. Investor and he and the other people at the Aldi's—they're really nice. But I—I I don't like the thought if they're going to be um, 
wearing these body-worn cameras and filming me every time I go there? What if they release the video to uh, Action News? You know, but you know, Bob. Like I said, when uh, when I I lost my I dropped my my debit card back in January, say, and and somebody found it and they used it. Okay, but they didn't have they didn't have those cameras at the time there. So so I reported it and um, and they closed my I closed my account out. You know, but I don't have no debit card no more because I'm I, I'm not going through that again. Yeah, that yeah, no. Yeah, that's that can be a, a real hassle. Anyway, uh, appreciate your checking in. I hope you have a great day. You too. Oh, hey, I went to the cider mill. Boy, are those donuts good. Oh, I love them. What's your favorite kind? Well, my favorite kind is the plain donuts. Oh, I love them all. I love the plain. I love the cinnamon. I love the sugar. I love the chocolate. I love the chocolate with peanuts. Yeah, but they don't... I, I, I wanted some with the chocolate with the peanuts on them, but they didn't have them. They go too fast. Well, one thing, when did you go? Yesterday. Yeah. On, on weekends, they don't have those uh, specialty donuts. They have, I think, the plain sugar and cinnamon on weekends because right. they sell so many. So during the week, if you want like chocolate peanut or just chocolate covered or maple walnut, you have to go during the week. Otherwise, on weekends, you know, they they sell so many, it would be tough to keep up. So that's the secret there. Yeah, there was a lot of people up there getting apples and... and uh, what about pumpkins? Because I, I was, the last time I was there... My buddy over at the cider mill, he was he was starting to to move some of the pumpkins for the the big pumpkin display. Oh yeah, I've I've never been to the the cider mill pro uh, uh, shows, but maybe, yeah, it's a great place. Maybe I can maybe I can get my youngest daughter to take me if she has the day off. Well, that would be nice. Well, hope you have a great day. Okay, you too. 1055. This is Bob Joseph live on WNBF. No, I'm not one of those kids who phones it in from Mawa, New Jersey or from Cary, North Carolina. No, I'm here. A man of the people. I drive the roads you drive. I walk the sidewalks you walk. I shop where you shop. I know you're saying, why don't you just move and phone it in? That would be so much easier. Yes, it would. But it wouldn't be right. 1055, Bob Joseph on your Monday morning, WNBF. WNBF live at 1058. Two before the hour with Bob Joseph at News Radio, WNBF. Well, Here's the forecast. Mostly sunny today, 77. Mainly clear tonight, 56. Patchy fog early tomorrow morning. Then partly sunny in the morning, gradually becoming sunny, 82. Extended outlook Wednesday, sunny, 83. Thursday, partly sunny, 79. Friday, mostly cloudy with a chance of showers, 71. So I say summer is back. Summer is back. 
64 right now in downtown Binghamton from News Radio for America. Just because we call the program Binghamton now doesn't mean you're not allowed to listen to it if you're outside the parlor city. This program is for America and beyond. The news you need is on the air at 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. Also available using the free WNBF app. Notably, you can also get some interesting information online at WNBF.com. have a couple more stories that I'll be pounding away on. Listen, this is me writing a story. It's a simulation. Anyway, so uh, I have to be doing the program here for another hour or so, but don't worry. Starting at noon, it's simulated, writing a story. Uh, starting at noon, I'll be pushing out content on WNBF.com. If you haven't seen it already, we had a story about that new restaurant, national chain restaurant. They're finally getting to the Binghamton area after after all these years. We've been waiting, so a new national restaurant chain uh, will be in Binghamton finally soon. He started work on the Vestal Parkway. Take a look at that story at WNBF.com. Also, uh, more information about that house fire on Badger Avenue in the Union District of Endicott Friday. They already tore that place down. It's 11 o'clock. News Radio, WNBF, Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Sunshine today, Hunter 77. Mostly clear tonight, low around 56. Partly sunny Tuesday, then gradually becoming sunny with a Hunter 82. Several fire departments were called to battle a blaze that raced through a two family house in the Union District of Endicott on Friday. The fire at 305 Badger Avenue was reported around 6.15 a.m. Endicott Fire Chief Joseph Griswold said there was heavy fire coming from the two-story building when the first firefighters arrived. The blaze spread to a garage behind the house. Griswold said no injuries were reported. The cause of the fire is under investigation. The house was damaged by a blaze last May. Griswold said that fire was ignited by intense sticks that had been placed in a hole in a wall. The building was supposed to be vacant since that fire, although there had been reports that people had been inside the structure in recent days. The utilities to the building had been turned off. The fire chief said the fire-damaged building will have to be torn down. The owner of the property who lives in Vesto indicated he already had taken steps to have the structure demolished. New York State County sheriffs and upstate communities are voicing concerns about the state's two-week-old ammunition background check system, saying they disagree with state political leaders that it will reduce gun violence in the state. More members of the law enforcement last Thursday spoke out about the New York State police background check system as issues persist, and U.S. Supreme Court justices will consider taking up a challenge to the state's Concealed Carry Improvement Act and background checks on ammo purchases. Albany County Sheriff Greg Apple, a Democrat, says the required background checks to purchase weapons or ammunition are more of a nuisance than a change that will keep New Yorkers safe. 
More than 14,000 transactions for people to buy firearms and ammunition have been approved since the new law took effect on September 13th, including more than 6,100 transactions approved for firearm purchases and 8,300 approved transactions for ammunition. State police refused to release the number of applications that have been denied. New York State Police will also not discuss the grounds nor specific reasons why that they used to deny an attempted firearm or ammunition purchase or respond to questions about why retired law enforcement have been rejected. Police provide the applicant a reason for denial upon appeal. Ralph Bullock of Dryden was sentenced yesterday to serve 97 months in federal prison for possession of child pornography, according to the United States Attorney. An acting special agent in charge of the Albany Field Office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. As part of his prior guilty plea, Bullock admitted that on January 2018 and April of 2021, he possessed images of child pornography on three separate devices, including images of prepubescent minors. In reaching its sentence, the court found that the defendant had committed a prior pattern of activity involving the sexual abuse or exploitation of two minor children who were four and six years old at the time of the conduct. Bullock was sentenced to 20 years of supervised release following his term of incarceration and ordered him to pay restitution of 3000 each to two of the children whose images he possessed. Upon release from imprisonment, he must also register as a sex offender. A rapidly expanding national restaurant chain is preparing to open its first location in the Binghamton area. Site preparation is underway for a Cordoba Mexican Eats restaurant on the Vestal Parkway. Vestal Town Supervisor John Schaefer says he expects the new business may be open by the end of the year, although he's not heard a specific target date for the start of operations. The restaurant building will be located at 2512 Vestal Parkway East. New York City is drying out after being soaked by one of its wettest days in decades. City dwellers are now trying to dry out basements while traffic resumed at highways, subways and airports that were temporarily shuttered by Friday's severe rainfall. The heavy rainfall knocked out several subway and computer 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 rail lines, stranded drivers on highways, flooded basements and shuttered a terminal at LaGuardia Airport for hours. While the fierce storm has moved on, some of its damage lingered into the weekend. A power outage in a Brooklyn neighborhood caused by the storm prompted city officials on Saturday to evacuate staff at about 120 patients from a city hospital. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. WNBF Live with Bob Joseph on a Monday morning. We welcome you to WNBF.
WNBF. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll uh, take some phone calls. Actually, let's take a quick phone call. Uh, and then we have a special segment coming up about law enforcement here in the Binghamton area. Uh, DJ, though, from Binghamton has been hanging on for a few minutes. What's on your mind, DJ? Yes, good morning. Praise God. Happy Monday. What's on my mind is life is good. God is good. Hey, I think I know what you're going to you're, you're talk about uh, in a few minutes. The, um, oh, Faith in Blue. Is that the thing going on? You're talking about? That's Wait, up. do you have a spy? Are you spying on me? Are you are you monitoring every little movement here at the station? I know many things. But real quick, hey man, I went to Wilkesbury last night. Why I were you in on a meeting? Were you in no, on a no, meeting? Okay, I just, Bob, just you check. know me, man. I'm yeah, a, I know I'm you. That's why that's why I'm concerned. Yeah, well, you're you're spying me, on me. me. Stop it. spying on me. No, let me explain it. I'm a praying man. Things come to me. Things come to. Me. But anyway, hey, um. Last week I went to Wilkes-Barre. If you guys never been there, go check it out. They Wilkes-Barre. Built it out, man. Wilkes-Barre, not Wilkes-Barre. Wilkes- Wilkes-Barre. Well, we call it Wilkes-Barre. Normal people. I'm just kidding. Hey, but go up there, man. It's all built up. They got a brand new Super Walmart, Chick-fil-A, around around. They have a stage, Bob. It's like Kennedy Park where you've been across from the bus station, uh, JFK Park. That's where I hang out, across from the bus I station. Know. Yeah, SIU going, I'm, Task I'm Force knows me well. Bob, I'm going there today, seriously. Um, cause my brother lives over in that area. So anyway, um, I went, I was on that stage, man. And I, I just started viewing out. I started getting in good trouble and everything went good, you know, um, proclaiming, proclaiming the gospel and stuff. But I, I didn't talk to people like I should have. I wish I would have talked to people more. Then real quick, there's a movie out called I can that Wilkes-Barre showed. They, they don't show it here. It's about a young person that, uh, was born with half an arm and like these hand, but it wasn't a full hand. And oh, they got bullied and picked on and everything, but when they hit that softball, Bob, they got a scholarship to a Christian college. It's called I Can. You could probably do it live streaming as well. Okay, I'll check it out. Thank you, DJ. I appreciate that. That's the story from Binghamton, making contemporary news. Coming up next, yes, going to talk about a very special community and law enforcement event right here on News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com From the Golf Auto Studios this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290 also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy BMW and pre-owned at GolfAuto.com Gosh, they put out an APB. All points bulletin, all points. Find that Bob Joseph. Take him into custody. Run, run my information. I got all that stuff in Indiana straightened out uh, 12 years ago. Everything is fine. You good? I'm good. <laughs> run my name. Run, yeah. The other 49 states, so we're still working. Anyway, got a, a couple of law enforcement people in here along with uh, Frank Barnett. But and you were on, you called in right yes, last sir. week. Thank you for uh, being in our studio. All right, gentlemen, introduce yourselves. We don't usually have uh, three people 
as guests at the same time. Of course, we begin with Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar. Welcome. Bob, so great to be with you. Uh, good to be with uh, Chuck Woody and, and Pastor Barnett as well. So uh, looking forward to talking about uh, the, the events coming up. All right. And uh, Chuck Woody, longtime yes. uh, veteran with BPD, Binghamton yes. Police Department, now with Broome County Sheriff's Office. How's that transition going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, obviously, a lot more openings I had coming in as, you know, doing the recruitment and community engagement. But we've done a tremendous job with filling some of those. So um, a challenge, but that's why I took the role. So it's been good. And Pastor Barnett has mentioned you called in a few days ago to give us uh, sort of advance notice about the event that's coming up here in Binghamton. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background, your church. I, I just found out you you uh, lived in Binghamton's first ward as a kid. Yes, sir. I grew up on Clinton Street and uh, then downtown Binghamton. And it's, I just thought this should um, be known by our whole community because you do a great job getting the word out there for everyone. But it's just an honor to work with, with our sheriff and um, with Officer Woody and the Binghamton Police, Johnson City Police. I've talked to some of them already, and they're really great guys. If you don't uh, approach them, you'll just never know how, what wonderful people we have trying to uh, keep our community impacted and all together and comfortable and peaceful and safe. It's a big job 24-7 for uh, a lot of people with a lot of agencies. Now, uh, I'll ask you to tell us about the upcoming event since you introduced it with your phone call last week. Tell us what will be happening in a few days here in Binghamton. Well, Officer Woody and, uh, and Sheriff, they, they uh, approached us, the clergy, so they came to us first, and it's so kind of them. And we have several pastors and elder leaders that are bringing people together, but we want our whole community to know about this. And they doing this event once a year. And also the city police, they do work with National Night Out that's done in August as well. And so I just thought it'd be a great thing for people to come and meet who their officers are and get to talk to them, to know them. And so we have a better understanding of what's going on in our community and understand that the law enforcement is unapproachable and they're trying to do something to let people know that they care about the community. So this event is going to be awesome that we're going to have in Rec Park on Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Um, October um, would be the 6th that we're having it, 2023, at Recreational Park on the um, west side of Binghamton. And the park is huge. There's a lot of things that's going to be going on. Don't worry about um, barbecuing. They have the food for free, which is really awesome. We'll be passing out T-shirts, I guess, to how many we have, first couple hundred people will get a free t-shirt 100 100 100 that's good there you go so, and and tell us a little bit about the sheriff's office involvement in the in the event yeah so it's the law enforcement we all try to stay on an even platform right just a base uh background of the event in 2020 uh, uh the minister out of uh Atlanta decided that, you know, uh, it would be good to start getting the faith community and the police officers together. And over time, they, they created this event to be up to four days long. And you as a police organization or a sheriff organization can can pretty much dictate uh, how many events you want to do over those four days. And it was brought in last year by Chief Zakuski down at Binghamton. Um, and the sheriff, then senator at the time, um, all kind of participated in it. And once I moved this year, I knew if we were going to do the event um, with our community being so small that we should we should invite all the law enforcement agencies to do it. So um, basically, um, there's really no lead to this. All all departments and all the clergy and all the churches are all on the same keel. It's just sitting together um, and coming up with a list of events that we want to do over uh, what we're going to do over two day period, um, you know, for the community. So, Sheriff Axer, tell me about uh, why you think this is significant in terms of um, 
letting people know more about the work that law enforcement is doing. If people uh, don't have uh, contact with uh, police or sheriff's deputies or state troopers until uh, a serious situation, they they may not know what the job entails 99% of the time. Yeah, I think one of the greatest challenges, uh, you know, in the George Floyd era, I would say, it's just a, a, an overall lack of communication, right, mm-hmm. between law enforcement uh, and the community. And I think that that really came to the forefront uh, during that, that trying time for, for the country, frankly. Um, and I, I think what Faith in Blue does, as Chuck said, was it, it, it really not forces you, right, but because you're, you're willing participants, but it, it brings key uh, people and stakeholders together uh, to, to advance a, a common mission, if you will. Um, you know, Pastor Barnett wants the same things uh, as I do. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a pastor. I am the sheriff. Uh, Chuck is the director of community engagement. We all want the same thing, right? But it's just important that we come together uh, and in in using one voice, uh, we're, we're, we're talking the same language to people. And, and frankly, and I have no issue speaking about this candidly, oftentimes people in law enforcement maybe wouldn't directly interact with um, Pastor Barnett's congregation, right? But what what this allows us to do um, is to is to know one another as as people uh, and spend time together as people, communicate together as people. Um, and I, I, you know, as I as I campaigned for this office, I met with uh, Pastor Barnett and, yes. and, and Reverend Osby and, and Bishop Williams and so many others, um, and we talked about this uh, yes. about the importance of of during good times uh, being together collectively because God forbid this community was ever faced with our own George Floyd incident uh, we would know each other's hearts we would know each other's minds uh, and we would be able to move the community forward and I think that's exactly uh, what uh, Faith and Blue Weekend uh, allows us to do well it is it's one of those things that I, I think if, if people get to know each other and um even with the the outreach, whether it's here in Binghamton with uh, and Johnson City and elsewhere, with more of an effort to get uh, officers uh, out of their cars and maybe uh, walking a beat or on bike patrol or whatever, I think it helps to improve overall communication and understanding. So one of the things I applaud Director Woody for is uh, when we talked about this this year, about doing Faith in Blue again, it was very important, and he brought this to the table, right, that oh, let's not do this in silos, right? Let's let's make sure that, that the greater law enforcement community uh, was was participating together collectively um, in this in this effort, um, and I can't thank my my partners in law enforcement, uh, the chiefs uh, and the big four, uh, for for uh, you know all of us joining together uh, and again speaking speaking with one voice. Okay. We had something um, very um, that was important to us as the clergy um, for different things that have gone on in the churches in the sanctuary, and we brought this to the table, and uh, they have a. An answer for us, Officer Woody and our, and our um, sheriff, that they're going to do a safety class in case something happens to try to, um, you know, for us to be uh, prepared if something happens at your church. And that's offered to us free. And that's awesome. So we're going to have who's had our security at our church um, from each church to go up on Friday at uh, 2 p.m. and uh, join this. This is very important if you want to, you know, 
call Officer Woody at the Sheriff's Office if you want to have your church involved. So you would have some type of uh, emergency uh, plan and to put it into action. And they're they're willing to do this for us uh, with uh, um, Sam, Under Sheriff Sammy Davis. And this is awesome. We can't wait. So these guys are really opening up to us, and it's really great that we're letting us be a part of our own community. It's just important for me to note, though, that what the pastor said is law enforcement may be opening up to uh, to to them, but I feel the same exact way as the pastor does. Uh, it, uh, undoubtedly, uh, the clergy in this community have um, welcomed us with open arms, and, and I, I am forever grateful for that, Pastor. Thank you so much. And so the Faith and Blue events are happening this weekend at Rec Park on Binghamton's west side. Yeah, so I'll give you a quick rundown. Friday, uh, as Pastor Barnett spoke up, our undersheriff, um, Sam Davis, he's going to be hosting a uh, session from 1 to 3, uh, mainly meant for the the faith leaders, but also people within the, the church. Um, and he's, frankly, just going to discuss how to keep your places of worship safe, um, how to react if you do have an incident there. And if later down the line they would like a little bit more of a safety assessment, we'll try to go ahead and set that up. So that's just going to be a discussion. Um, from 1 to 3 at the Sheriff's Department uh, earlier in the day on Friday, October 6th. And in that evening, uh, from 6 to 8 at St. Mary's Rectory down on Holly Street, uh, I believe it's 148 to 152 Holly Street, that's where we'll do a community discussion. And, and what will take place then will uh, be all the local law enforcement leaders will sit the panel, and I believe uh, the, the mayor, uh, uh Cram will also be there, but that's the opportunity that questions are asked of the faith community to their their law enforcement leaders um, for just a few hours, just to have a frank discussion about what things look like, and and then it all culminates on Saturday for us with a day in the park at Rec Park, which we did last year and was really good, and just different events going on within the park. All families are invited. That will start at 10 a.m. Um, with a probably the bigger prayer starting at 11 and it'll go to four. Um, so it's just a day of engagement at the park, uh, a day of fun. And then I believe, uh, the engagement officer for Johnson City, uh, Officer Pete's is going to do a coffee with a cop program, I believe from 830 to noon at Calvary's Love, uh, church on Sunday. So, um, so really technically, I guess we have three days of events and, mm-hmm. and not the fourth, but so, uh, yeah, I can be reached, uh, follow the Facebook page, uh, for the Sheriff's Department. We'll have a list of events on there, but yeah, it'll be a fun weekend. Wonderful. We thank you so much. Well, thank you all for coming in and, uh, wish, uh, people the best as this, uh, event continues to help improve, uh, and enhance the ties of the community with law enforcement. Wonderful. Thank you, Bob. Pastor Frank Barnett and Officer Chuck Woody with Broome County Sheriff's Office and Sheriff Fred Akshar. Thank you for being with us here on News Radio WNBF. Thanks so Thank much. You. It's 1126 coming up. Phone calls 607 772 1290, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com.
WNBF Monday morning, only four months till Groundhog Day. So if you have uh, people you plan to buy uh, Groundhog Day gifts for, you better get moving because, of course, supply chain issues, a lot of things will probably be in short supply. So don't want to tarnish your Groundhog Day celebrations. Well, here's sad news. They, uh, not unexpected news, but sadly, they went and did it. As they said they would, they shut down the printing plant for the Buffalo News. Soon, in New York State, there probably will be zero newspaper printing plants. Uh, as you know, Gannett unceremoniously pulled the plug on their $50 million production facility in the village of Johnson City after operating for 12 years <laughs> and then sending all the custom-made printing presses to the scrapyard on Binghamton's east side. How sad is that? So they, I, as far as I know, I don't think they even did a story about the, the final press run in Johnson City in what year was it 2018? Five years. Uh, then, after our newspaper, the Press and Sun Bulletin uh, production had been shifted up to, I guess, where is it, Gates in Rochester. Then Gannett pulled the plug on that one. So now Gannett is no longer printing any newspapers in New York State. They moved uh, our newspaper production, as well as most of their New York papers, out to... Uh, New Jersey, the Garden State. That's why your newspaper <laughs> smells the way it does. Yeah. If they printed it in New York State, it was in Johnson City at a nice, clean Johnson City printing plant. Well, you know how good that was for 12 years. Now, just over the weekend, I guess Saturday night, they um, shut down the Buffalo News printing plant. And at least to their credit... They uh, did run a bunch of pictures to make note that uh, the Buffalo News printing presses were running for the final time on September 30th, marking the end of an era. The end of an era. Now the Buffalo News is uh, going to be printed every ding-dong day in Cleveland, <laughs> which means they no longer can do much coverage of the Buffalo Bills. Say on Monday morning, everybody used to rush out to get the Buffalo News to see all the great coverage of their wonderful football team, especially this year, since we know they're heading to the Super Bowl. Well, when the Bills win the Super Bowl in February, the Buffalo News won't be able to report it in print because their newspaper... Next February will be printed in Cleveland. So unless they change the print schedule, which they might. I mean, after all, they do have four months to plan for this. So if they're smart, they'll plan accordingly and put out a special commemorative edition for when the Bills win the Super Bowl in February 2024. But still, it won't be the same because... <laughs> <laughs> newspaper will be coming from Cleveland, so who knows what time it will get to the stores. But anyway, um, on the final day 
of the printing presses running in downtown Buffalo. They actually allowed one of their photographers to take pictures. And they did a very nice job. Basically, I don't know, eh, celebrating the work that those talented people did for a long time printing the newspaper. Now, those newspapers don't just print themselves. It takes a group of very hardworking people to produce a print newspaper, even if the demand for print newspapers continues to decline. Of course, we're we're well aware of what the trends are. We're, we could even say painfully aware of what the trends are thanks to the Internet. You know, we're not not living in a bubble. We know what's going on, and yes, we understand why decisions are made. They always call them tough decisions. 160 people lost their jobs in Buffalo because of the shutdown of the printing plant. About 100 people lost their jobs in Johnson City because of the shutdown of that printing plant. So these are always tough decisions. And you do have to respond. Hey, if more people are getting their news online, obviously I get it. I get you can't have a newspaper printing plant in every town anymore, like once might have been the case, but it is still worth noting, as they say, an end of an era. Is it a big surprise? I guess not, but is it an era that we should at least look back on? And I thank all the people. I mean, skilled printing experts who worked here in uh, Binghamton and then Vestal then ultimately Johnson City for the press and the Sun Bulletin and then the combined newspaper. Hey, I know some of those people are still listening to the program and life moves on, but still doesn't mean we can't reminisce. And so they at least acknowledge. I, that's what I thought was good the way the Buffalo News handled this. They did, I don't know how many pictures. And the guy who took the pictures is one of the best news photographers in New York State, Derek G. So he did excellent work as those people put out the the final edition of the Buffalo News to be printed in the city. It's To me, it's just a shame that that sort of thing... The acknowledgement, as far as I know, never happened here in Broome County. Hmm. It would have been nice. 1136 at News Radio, WNBF. If you still want to call in and share your thoughts about things, our number is available to you at 607-772-1290. We're on the air at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. And yes, streaming at WNBF.com. Exactly was going on in 1979. Oh yeah, 
Round Top. Yes, I remember now. <laughs> I remember now. Back to the phones we go. Andy and Vestal, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Hey, um, just a quick, just a quick um, mention on the radio. Um, this Sunday at Arnold Park from 12 to 4, um, Real Democracy for Vestal um, candidates will be having a uh, fundraiser at Arnold Park. So to invite all Vestal constituents who'd like to come to the fundraiser, we would very much appreciate um, coming and meeting the candidates and enjoying some food and some uh, maybe possible some entertainment. All right. Well, I appreciate the call. And keep an uh, eye on things. If you see anything happening in Vestal, give me a call. I am all the time. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Uh, WNBF Live. And that reminds me, it's October now. So what does that mean? Well, it means November is... Um, not far behind. That's right. And what does that mean? Well, it means Election Day. Can you believe Election Day will be in five weeks? Oh, my goodness. Five weeks from tomorrow? I believe it's November 7th this year. So if you're uh, planning to vote, be prepared. Be prepared. And although Election Day is November 7th, they will have early voting. So actually, early voting starts in less than four weeks in Broome County. So the your first opportunity to cast a vote in Broome County at an actual polling place will be October 28th. So early voting... It's a Saturday. So Saturday and Sunday, that weekend, if you think early voting is for you, from 9 to 5, you'll be able to vote. 28th and 29th, and they also have hours uh, throughout that week before Election Day. Then Election Day itself is November 7th. So, and of course, the polls are open on Election Day from 6 in the morning till 9 at night. Early voting locations. I know it's early to even be talking about it, but just for your planning purposes going forward, they will have three early voting locations in Broome County this month. Starting later this month on the 28th. The Broome County Public Library on Court Street in Binghamton. The George F. Johnson Memorial Library on Park Street in Endicott. And the Taste New York building at Cornell Cooperative Extension on Upper Front Street in the town of Dickinson. So those will be the three early voting locations. And we'll talk more about this going forward, but all eligible registered voters can vote early. So I'm a traditionalist. I don't I don't think I'll vote early, but I don't know. There's something for me Voting at an authorized polling location on election day, that's, I think that's my, my favorite thing to do. Seriously. Since, since I was 18, since I was 18, I've always looked forward to November. Even, 
even in non-presidential years, even if there were no really big races in my community, it was like, of course I'm going to vote. Well, but it's not really a big race, but it's a race. And let's face it, for the people who are running for these offices, local offices, at any level, village, town, city, county, of course, state and national. I mean, those are, every race is important. Well, I don't really care. Well, you don't have to care. It's no law. <laughs> That's the whole point in this country. It's no law that says you have to care. But fortunately, most of the people listening to this program do care. It's 11.45. Uh, the big guy is in court right now. So as far as I know, if you're in Manhattan, you can go out to Fifth Avenue probably at least till lunch break and not be in danger. Donald Trump facing a judge inside a lower Manhattan courthouse for the opening of a $250 million civil trial over charges. He overinflated the values of his many properties. That's the... Story from the New York Post, the fraud lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James accuses Trump, sons Eric and Don Jr. and the Trump Organization of a decades-long scheme. The non-jury trial is expected to last months. Also looking at some of the New York Post coverage in his opening remarks, the attorney An attorney, Christopher Kies, argued that the defendants did not mean to defraud anyone with the disparate property values. Instead, he said, it's the essence of the real estate market claiming buyers have a view, sellers have a view, none of them are wrong. So it basically affirms what we talked about earlier in the program. That'll be a key part of their defense. Sort of, that's how it's done. I own something. I think it's worth, again, for illustration purposes, I think it's worth a billion dollars. Um, you want to buy it and you want to pay 300 million. All right. Well, we're going to have to do some negotiating. I tell you, the Bob Tower is worth a billion dollars. You tell me, I doubt it, but I will pay you 300 million. And then our representatives will sit down and hash it out and maybe make a deal. And if we can't come to some agreement, then we walk away as friends, by the way. Nobody's bitter. Well, I wanted the Bob Tower, but he kept saying it's a billion dollars, and it's definitely not. Well, so we'll see what what happens. The other thing, though, that I don't think was necessarily the smartest move is just a general rule of thumb. Saying things that are negative about a judge, especially since this is a non-jury trial, I don't believe 
if you're a defendant, even in a civil case, a civil fraud case, and it's not going to be heard by a jury, but it is going to be decided by a judge, I don't believe it's in your best interest probably to say anything or even insinuate anything about the judge. Negative or positive. If you say positive things about the judge, then he's going to think, oh, you're trying to ingratiate yourself to me, and I'm not, not going to fall for that. Oh, Justice Engren is the best, the most perfect justice on the face of the earth. Well, if he says that, then the judge is going to probably say, well, now I can't, I can't d- decide to acquit the defendants because it'll look like I was just taking the bait. You know, he said I was perfect and beautiful. The other thing, though, is don't say anything negative about the justice in this case, or any case. I think the bottom line is, say nothing. Just say nothing. If you have an urge to say something on Twitter, or if you have an urge to call in to a talk show about your court case, suppress the urge and call your attorneys to see what they say, because I know what your attorneys will say, regardless of the circumstances, even if it's you're contesting a parking ticket. It's not going to be in your best interest to tweet about it or call into a talk show. As they say, zip it. Let your attorneys represent you. That's why you're paying them the attorney bucks. That's why they went to law school. It's 11.50. This is Bob Joseph live on your Monday morning. (laughs) Dispensing legal advice. (laughs) Well, no, I didn't go to law school. And no, I'm not an attorney. So don't, hey, don't take my word for it. But call any attorney worth his salt. And they'll tell you, yeah, Bob may not know much about the law. But he does know that one thing. If you're jammed up on anything... Don't talk publicly. Don't talk to reporters. Don't tweet. Don't do anything. If you want something done, that's why you have an attorney. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and keeping you connected using the convenient WNBF app. News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. WNBF 11.55. Almost out of time. Jesse in Owego. Hey, Bob. I've got a big problem with this court hearing that Trump is going through currently. When a judge comes out and already says that he's guilty of doing something, 
he already prejudged the case before he heard it. So that tells me justice is no longer blind. I, I just can't believe that a judge would come out and say that. I mean, I get where Trump's coming from, but when a judge speaks like that, I'm like, wait a minute. A judge should not say anything until after the case has been fully heard and all of the proof has been put out there. Well, maybe the judge wanted to give uh, Don Trump uh, grounds for appeal. Did you ever think that? Well, that could it could be, Bob. It could. So it might be the judge is actually secretly working on behalf of the defendant because that would potentially give Don Trump's lawyers grounds to appeal should the judge decide that the the defendant is guilty. So who's to say that it's not, in fact, rigged in favor of Don Trump? It doesn't matter who it is, Bob. That judge should be removed because... No, I'm saying maybe he should, but in the end, maybe, and he's not going to be at this point. Look, the trial's going forward with the judge, so the judge could have recused himself over the weekend if he thought, well, I already made one crucial decision about Don Trump and Trump Industries, so I guess I guess I should... Uh, as uh, as they would say, uh, take a step back and have another judge assigned to the to the trial. So I I'm saying, and again, this is just me. Maybe it sounds cynical. I bet this judge is actually working for Don Trump and the rest of the family. I'm just gonna start spending all the rest of my retirement money because I see a train wreck coming. Oh oh, come on, Jesse. It's not that bad. Come on, man. <laughs> By the way, what about that porch fest? All they were doing on Sunday afternoon in Owego is playing the music. I had a great time. I walked all over around, and uh, one of the best bands was at the Elf Club. Holy smoke, some guys are on a roll. They have some good people playing. I, I even did a, I did a, a thing on, on Twitter because I thought Elon Musk would like it. I only put it on Twitter so Elon Musk could see. And so, hold on a second. This is just part of what I put on Twitter. Listen to the noise. Oh, it's motorcycles. Listen. It's Sailcat with uh, the motorcycles. <laughs> They're driving down Sunday Street. afternoon in the village of Owego. This is Main Street. Beautiful start for the month of October. And uh, a lot of music on the streets of Owego today. An award-winning report, I might say. Good deal, and I missed you. You were on Main Street, I was on Front Street. Well, I almost went on Front Street, and then I said, well, what if they don't want me there? I said, I'll stay on Main Street, because maybe the people on Front Street don't really want to see me. I, I, I was on Lake Street for a second, but I didn't see any music on Lake Street, so I stayed on, on Main Street. I'm surprised you didn't see me. I was wearing my uh, orange shirt. I mean, I stuck out like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> well, I, I was looking for you. Well, I'm always out and about, but I have the ability to blend in, Bob. That's all I can tell you. Hey, that's the right way to be. I can blend in for the most part, but un until I start talking, then when I start talking, then my voice gives me away. Well, that's where I get in trouble, believe me. I, I always try to plead the fifth, best I can. 
Mm, that's worked for Don Trump so far. So far, <laughs> well, yeah. But you've yeah, never yeah. had to. You've never had to uh, plead the fifth hundreds of times in your that's whole true. life. You've probably pled the fifth, maybe, maybe a uh, a couple dozen times, but not hundreds like him. If you think I'm going to plead the fifth, Bob, I got a bridge on 962 J. Yes, yes, I'll meet you at 962 J one of these weekends. Thank you so much, Jesse, with the story from Owego that's making contemporary news. And that's our program for today. I think the week is off to a very good start. We'll continue tomorrow morning. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF.